Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of My Perfect Failure. Today, I've got the uh, wonderful Susanna Weiss. I'm not sure if I've pronounced that right, Susanna. Have I pronounced your surname correctly? Okay. Today's episode is is on how to move on from a job loss. Uh, Susanna's got a wonderful experience. Um, She's from the US. She's a freelance writer, editor. She's a contributing editor for Complex, Teen Vogue. She contributes to lots of other publications such as Bustle, Cosmopolitan, Washington Post, and a whole heap of other publications. So how are you, Susanna? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful, thanks. So you're in, so you just mentioned to me you're in Europe today, but I know that isn't sort of where you originate from. Well, I'm a digital nomad. Um, I travel nonstop, but my boyfriend lives in Germany, so I'm here a lot. Wonderful. So you're getting looked after. Yep. <laughs> and, you, and you're in Dortmund, which uh, I haven't had the pleasure of visiting, but I hear it's a wonderful place. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. So I, I, I guess sort of getting into it, it might be sort of an idea because some people might be familiar with you from the publications that I've just mentioned, but maybe some aren't. So maybe you've actually just given us a snippet of what you do. You're a digital nomad, but I know that you, that isn't sort of how it started out for you. So could you maybe sort of give us a little bit of background sort of to how, to who you are and, you know, how I found you. I found you uh, via a wonderful article you you did on uh, the bustle. I, I just felt that it captured the essence of what my perfect failure was about. And it, you shared uh, some really insightful ideas from from um, entrepreneurs that have started out sort of quite gingerly in their careers. They sort of had these wonderful ideas. Initially, they didn't work. And then they uh, navigated, they managed to navigate, I guess, beyond those situations via sort of mistakes and sort of trial and error. I guess sort of how did you sort of initially, how did you get to that point where that article uh, became relevant to you? I um, was working in marketing for a tech startup about four years ago. And I had always wanted to be a writer, but everybody had told me that that's a hobby. It's not a career. Um, So I started writing on the side um, about the topics I cared about, like feminism and relationships. And then I was laid off from that job. And at first, I thought I would have to find another job in tech or some other full-time job for financial reasons. But then my writing took off and I started I started just cold pitching and submitting things I'd written, like not knowing anybody I was sending them to. And then things started getting accepted. And before I knew it, I was actually making a living as a freelance writer, which I never expected. And I've been doing that for about four years now. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So in, initially, when you found out about your, your, your sort of the job loss, what, how, how long did that process take from you, um, I guess, dealing with that situation? Because obviously, most people these days have encountered a job loss. It can be quite overwhelming. Did you did you try and stay in that space immediately or 
or did the sort of your idea of getting into the freelance space did that sort of almost begin straight away? Yeah, well, I was almost relieved to be laid off because I didn't really like the job. I found it boring, but I didn't feel like I had many other options if I wanted to make a living. And the the weeks following, I felt sort of liberated. I was, again, I still saw writing as a thing to do on the side, but I had the chance to do more of it, which was exciting. But I was also depressed because I felt kind of useless. I spent a lot of time at home. I had to like go to the unemployment office and collect unemployment, which was kind of depressing. Um, But eventually, I guess after about two months or maybe two to three months, I started being able to financially support myself, which was a combination of the kind of writing I do now and some freelance writing for tech, for PR. Then um, about a month after that, I had the chance to take an internship at Paper Magazine in New York. So then I moved to New York and that's when my career really picked up. That's amazingly quick to be, be laid off and to, I guess, go through the emotions and I guess the thought process to how to navigate well, what to do next, I guess. So that's, that's an incredible an impressive and incredibly quick turnaround to start getting your submissions accepted. Yeah, well, my approach was just to like send as much as possible to Mm. wherever possible. I spent a lot of time researching different places to send things, not really sure if they would accept them. Um, And most of them didn't. But I tried to like read different publications, figure out what they were publishing, figure out like, you know, what was going on in the world that people wanted to hear about. I wrote for free for some time for some publications. That's a really good, I guess, bit of advice. I guess we can move on to that later. But I guess for people that may be in the same situation or want to or want to get into your field, I think there's a couple of things that you've mentioned. Um, One is the research that you did to sort of get an idea about what content potentially would be quite useful or what they might want to see. And then I I like the the next one, which is an internship, because some people may think they can just jump into uh, a freelance writing career and get paid immediately, but that potentially may not be the case. Well, I think I still could have done it without the internship. What happened was because it was unpaid, I can't quite remember. I think what happened was it was supposed to be three or four days a week. And I said, I need to do paid stuff too. So I'm going to do like one or two days a week or something. There was one publication I wrote for Thought Catalog that didn't pay me for a while, but it was just a way to get my writing out there. But I also think, I'm not sure if I agree with the belief that you need to do stuff unpaid Mm. um, to succeed. I think there are other ways like there are also a lot of places that paid me from the beginning. So it just depends what you're willing and able to do. Okay. So you can, you can mix it up a bit. Some people will uh, pay you, uh, well, uh, ideally want everybody to pay you, but I guess if you want, if you want to get a foot in the door, the non-paid option, if, if you're uh, in that, in that potential situation, that might be uh, an option to pursue also. Yeah, if you can afford to, then yeah. it could. <laughs> Which I guess most people, particularly in New York, that might be sort of a bit of a struggle to uh, have the financial capacity to uh, exist without without a salary. How, how did you find the um, 
because I guess a lot of people, including myself, the idea of, you know, we all, most people, we, you know, we go to school, we go to college, we go to uni, we finish, then we logically think we're going to do a nine to five because that's what society dictates. That's what our parents think we're going to do and want, want us to do. It seems that it's a, a steady way to, to, to get an income and to, to, to sort of navigate the various chapters in life. Freelance stuff, people always a little bit wary about that. What was that process like for you to sort of enter that, enter that realm? Well, it was very annoying because whenever I told people about it, they would make a comment like, you know, that must be hard to make a living or, you know, you could write for a tech company or like, I know someone who's hiring like a full-time position. Um, Like people wouldn't believe that I would want to do that. You know, I guess I was lucky in a way that I was laid off because I had like severance pay for a while. Um, But it's not true that you can't make a living that way. Um, I had a year where I made about 250,000 through freelance writing. That's incredible. That's (laughs) incredible. I worked more than anyone probably should. Um, But yeah, the trick is just, I think the trick for me was to not be a perfectionist about it and realize like, instead of thinking really hard about something while I was writing it, I would try to write it as quickly as possible, then go back and edit it. And I found like I could do a lot that way. Another thing that helped me find opportunities was I connected with alumni from my college. Like I went on LinkedIn and I used their like alumni search feature where you can message people. And I would just ask them to tell me if we could talk about like their career path and their advice in the industry. I wouldn't ask them for a job right away, but that is how I got the paper internship ultimately is that I asked it after a conversation. So yeah, that's one of the, one of the best things you could do is tap into your network. In my day job, uh, LinkedIn is so valuable. Uh, I'm on that pretty much every day, 24 hours a day, tapping into the network or network move around. So even if they're um, not, if even if they leave the job that you have that connection with. Uh, they might go to a different company and uh, there actually might be another opportunity there. So I totally agree that uh, LinkedIn is a wonderful tool to use. I've just sort of uh, gobsmacked that 250K. That is an amazing tally to, 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 to sort of achieve in a few years of this life. So how long have you now been a freelancer? Four years. F- four years. Well, mm-hmm. f- well, four years. If you stayed in the marketing role, Say if that say if that situation you weren't made redundant that stayed. Do you think you would now be a freelancer? Because it sounds like to me that you found your calling in becoming a freelancer. And this before we uh, came on air, you mentioned uh, digital nomad, which I'm keen to to sort of delve into a little bit. But I, I was I was just thinking that um, it was almost a blessing. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I wouldn't have left on my own. Maybe I would have eventually, but maybe I wouldn't have unless I had another full-time job and I would have just kept going because I didn't believe it was possible to be a freelancer. Because that's what this, I guess, podcast is about. It's about, because we all have setbacks. It doesn't just have to be career. It can be 
personal lives, it can be finances, and it can it can just be anything. It can be health. Your story is wonderful because a lot of great situation happened. It's never initially because um, I've been made redundant before, so it's never wonderful when you get that news, regardless of how you get it. And then you have to kind of pick yourself up and think, well, what am I going to do next? Because in very, not all the time, but sometimes it's not kind of expected. And then you just have to think, how am I, you know, how am I going to? Uh, segue out of this and it's wonderful that to hear your story because it sounds like um, the freelance career is perfect for you you've worked for wonderful publications uh, you've got a I guess you've grown your network and it sounds as though that you're living the perfect life for you now yeah I love this life you mentioned something before we came on air which I alluded to a second ago digital nomad so i've not heard of that maybe i should have done but i haven't heard of that um term before can you can you maybe uh, give me some detail around that please yeah a digital nomad is somebody who doesn't have a permanent address or usually they don't and they travel non-stop while working so i might stay in some place for a month or two then move on to the next place i live mostly in airbnbs some people do it differently People of all kinds of professions do it. Really, any kind of remote worker can do it. And I like it because I get to experience travel all the time. And I don't have to deal with the boredom of living in one place for a long time. And I get exposed to new communities, um, sometimes new career opportunities, and just new cultures and people. Well, yeah. So, so, So literally internationally, so you could you could turn up anywhere in the world. Yep. So what's the um, favorite place that you've been to uh, so far? Uh, Ibiza. So is that for the writing or is that for the party scene? Because I've been out there a few times. Obviously, I'm in, I'm in uh, the UK, so it's uh, a, a little closer for me. Yeah, I was just there for vacation. Um, that's where I met my boyfriend. Ah, uh, wonderful. So I, I Ibiza has uh, wonderful memories for you for vacation and and for uh, meeting your partner. Yeah, though I don't know if that counts because I didn't actually work there. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so um, possibly in the future, I, I guess that has um. I guess a wonderful topic in terms of the music and the party scene and it's you get um you know you meet when I've been there you just meet so many wonderful people um from all over the world because everybody um gravitates there sort of over the summer months up from sort of May up until September yeah so fantastic so digital nomad what are the drawbacks for that life what what are sort of the main challenges that you encounter it can be stressful to always be traveling. Um, you have to do a lot of planning. Mm. Um, you run into lots of annoying things like not getting internet or like your Airbnb not being what you expected or stuff like that. Um, it can be either really cheap because you're not paying rent um, and but you would have to probably stay in subpar accommodations to get that or it can be comfortable but it will be expensive because i guess it depends on where you're going and because like because some of your jobs be last minute in that you might get an email might come into your inbox today and they might want the i don't know the job might start sometime next week does that situation ever occur well my jobs are all so I wouldn't really, unless I were going on a press trip, um, 
I wouldn't really travel for a job. Sometimes I will like go with, um, go to a place to write about it, but usually that's planned a few months in advance. There was something that I wanted to ask, ask you and uh, I sort of forgot to this point. I'm sure that when we spoke initially, you mentioned there was a, a Google interview that was kind of like a watershed moment for you. Does, does my recollection serve me correctly? Yeah, it was very awkward. I remember they asked me what I was looking for, and I couldn't answer that in a way that would make it seem like I was looking for that job. So I said something. I just repeated my work history or something. And the interviewer was like, well, communication skills are important for this. So like maybe you and I can work on that or something. It was very embarrassing. And then they had me, I had to like do fill out some application in order to be considered. And at that point I was like, it's not even worth the time it would take to fill that out because I don't want it. So then I just told them that. It's, it's funny how sometimes those, because now you, at, the t- at the time it's probably, you know, I'm sure it would have been not the best experience, but it sounds like deep down, you knew actually, <laughs> I probably don't want this job anyway. I mean, at the time I was just casting a wide net, like, yeah. and there was so much pressure. Like there was this attitude. I was in Silicon, I was in San Francisco. Um, and there was this attitude of like, well, of course you would want to go into tech. Mm. Why would you want to go into anything else? Which was why it helped me a lot to move to New York. I imagine in your industry, what, what, there must be still rejection. How do you cope with that today? Um, yeah, most of my pitches get rejected, I would say. I just send it somewhere else immediately. I don't take that personally at all because I know most pitches in general get rejected. Mm. Sometimes if it's something very personal that I'm writing, it does sting a little bit because um, it feels almost like a rejection of me. But I just remind myself it's probably something super technical, like that's not a topic they're publishing about or they just published something on that topic. I just, my MO is to treat my pitches and submissions like hot potatoes. The moment something gets rejected, I send it somewhere else. And eventually, sometimes it'll take like 10 times. I think I once sent something to 11 places before it was accepted. I don't give up. Because even if like 10 places say no, there's still hundreds of places to try. You know, you know what? That's the thing that I'm, I'm learning about all the research I do and all the people that I speak to, uh, that if you want it, the only failure is only really given up. If, you, if we persevere and we just go on and because everybody gets rejected, everybody gets knocked back. It's part and parcel of whatever industry we're in. It is part of the journey so i think um that your um 11 was it 11 was it accepted after the 11th rejection or the 10th rejection yeah. so yeah so that that kind of sets this that that tells the story that um you could have easily and, and a lot of people i'm sure do maybe i would have been one of them that after maybe the fifth i would have probably thought you know what probably not going to happen i'll just maybe move on to the next thing but you know your perseverance paid off, and um, you got the gig, which is uh, which is obviously um, wonderful. I've, I've alluded to it uh, at the start of this 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 uh, interview that uh, I found you by the bustle. I was just googling one. I think it was a Saturday or a Sunday. The uh, bustle article just sort of appeared, and um, I think it's nine successful people share their first major failure, which I, I found a really cool article because it 
because there were, um, I guess, nine people that were very different that all were able to give or provide a different snapshot of their own experiences or failure. And a lot of these people have gone on to do incredible things. When you were writing that, were you using, I guess, when you were capturing those stories, were you using, were, were any of those stories motivational for you? I wrote this so long ago, I have mm. to look back at it. There was one lady, I think her name was Mary Marinettes, I think. I think that was her name. And uh, she was um, doing a pitch. I think she was doing a, I think she hired a room or uh, yeah, hired a room. And it, I think there were, it, capacity was, I think it could hold about 100 people. And I think 10 people, maybe 12 or 10 people turned up half of those were family and she you know she put a lot of work and effort into it but but ultimately it didn't quite go the way that she wanted it to do however fortunately there was a brand director in there who um was looking after a lot of sort of new groups that were coming up and although mary didn't think it went accordingly didn't go brilliantly she managed to get capture the interest of the the brand director who gave her a shot at uh, being a speaker for um, the the 100 groups that came up. And I just thought that was, I don't know, it just showed that um, although you might think it's a waste of time, it's not going incredibly well. Actually, you just never know. So it's worth just, even though it's not going incredibly well, plowing on because uh, you never know. There might be a brand director or somebody in the audience that might just see something and they might think, yeah, I'm going to give these guys a shot. Yeah, and she also talked about how it was ultimately a good thing that so few people would show up to see her because then she got to make mistakes in front of small groups and practice. So you can think of your early failures as practice and, you know, maybe it's a good thing to not get all the opportunities right away because then once you get <laughs> the big opportunities, you'll be prepared. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I I guess it's preferable to make mistakes in in front of a, a smaller or a, a smaller amount of people than 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 lots. Uh, I, I remember that bit also. And then she goes on to talk about so she doesn't get obsessed with no's. Her focus is on uh, trying again. That's her main focus, which I like that as well. So I, I thought that was just a really good article, and I think pretty much I probably emailed you. I found, I managed to find, I guess, uh, your website and managed to, uh, so I emailed you pretty much straight away. So it was uh, a fantastic article. For um, people that are looking to get into to your field, what advice would you give um, people that are keen to become a, a sort of a digital nomad as, as a freelance writer? I would say start off doing it. Um, if you have a job now, start off doing it on the side, unless you can afford to just take time off work, but get a feel for it by doing it on the side. It's really, I don't know, people, they're always like, how do you get started? Like, but it's really like, I didn't have any more knowledge than anyone else. You really mm -hmm. just like Google places, see what places are publishing and like, you know, search for their editor's emails and send stuff to them. You know, if you have yeah. no connections and whatever, that that's not going to be possible, but that's how you do it. I mean, if you want to learn, like, how to write a pitch or um, send a successful submission, I would suggest trying to take a class or something. I offer consulting to teach people how to do this. So you could contact me if you want. 
where could people contact you um i can put obviously put that in the show notes uh what would be the best way for them to contact you uh, my email, SusannaLweiss at gmail.com. I'll put that in the show notes so people will be able to find you. Cool. Yeah, so I would say just try, just keep on trying as much as possible. Like send it, send out as many things as possible. Keep sending them out when you get a no. Tap into your professional network. Ask people you know or even people who just went to the same college as you to like have a phone call or get coffee so you can learn about the industry. In terms of being a nomad, I put it off for a while because it seemed too complicated. Um, But once I just went for it, it wasn't that complicated after all. There are a few annoying things like figuring out what to do with your stuff, which you could either sell or give away or put in storage. I put it in storage, but that was dumb because then I ended up giving it away. Um, (laughs) Like people always think they'll be back, but then often they aren't because it's a great lifestyle. And I would say take advantage of places where you have friends that you could stay with or just hang out with and follow your desires. Go wherever you want to go because... Life is too short not to do that. I, I think that is amazing advice. Um, I think it's, it's um, I'm sure there are lots in the current, in 2019, I think that there's so many people that, you know, want to do something a little bit different and might be everybody locks into that nine to five because they think that is the way to go. And actually for a lot of people, it probably is. But for those people that actually do have a burning desire to be a digital nomad or freelance to do something else i think your your advice is uh perfect and i'm sure there'll be a lot of uh listeners that uh will definitely take take you up on that advice and i'm sure be contacting you so uh thank you for being a wonderful guest on my perfect failure was there anything else that you wanted to sort of say to the audience before we go if you have what you perceive to be a failure, then imagine if years down the line this is the turning point in your career. And then like write your story based on that and then work backward and actually do those things that would get you to that point. That's that's fantastic advice. All the advice you've given has been like incredible and even sort of I can resonate with some of it in terms of using your network and reaching out to people that you don't know. You know, the Internet is here. You know, if, you, if you're able to craft a nice email about what your what your proposal is, what you're looking to do, people actually do respond. You know, you will be surprised. They can be on the other side of the world and have no knowledge of you or what your project is. But if you put it down on paper or via an email, people actually do respond. So um, thanks. Thank you so much for your wonderful advice. And I look forward to reading uh, some of your articles in some of uh, hopefully some UK publications. Thanks. Okay, so enjoy the rest of your day. And um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to My Perfect Failure. And uh, please look out for our future episodes. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.